talking today about um, the call of Elisha. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. I believe this is a, a timely message. I believe this is the message that uh, God has laid on my heart for such a time as this in the life of this church. We've had a spring clean and we're ready to start again. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. In the previous chapters, around about 17, 18, there are some unusual things happen. In the life of Elijah, just prior to this event that we're going to talk about today in chapter 19. In chapter 18, Elijah had that incredible encounter on Mount Carmel. And go to the next slide, thanks. <clears throat> and they were in the middle of a drought, three and a half years, no rain. And Elijah had an idea, he thought he would call up Ahab and arrange that all the prophets of Baal, <coughs> 450 of them, and the prophets of Asherah, about 400 of them, to gather on the mountain, to build an altar and find out who is the true God. And so they agreed to that <clears throat> and Elijah said to them, but you build an altar and then you pray to your God and the God that answers by fire, he's be the true God. And by the way, Baal really is a pagan God, which really means the Lord of the rain. <laughs> fertility god and the land uh, needed rain in order to be in order for it to be fertile so they prayed early morning went on for about eight hours shouted to their god and elijah taunted them and said maybe he's away maybe he's on holidays maybe he's asleep shout louder and they did for eight hours or so and then they cut themselves with swords. Blood was shed in order to wake up their God to answer by fire. And then after a while, Elijah said, I think you've had long enough. Your God's failed. So Elijah builds his uh, altar, has the wood, has the 12 stones, builds a trench around it, pours 12 bar barrels of water on it, you say, if it was in the middle of a drought, where do they get the water from? Mediterranean, folks. It's right on the water. And so, in a simple prayer of faith, within a minute or two, Elijah broke forth into heaven and God answered by fire and burnt up the offering, burnt up all the water around, and then people knew that there was a God in heaven and these prophets of Baal, the 850 of the pagan prophets, acknowledged that there is a God. And I think they would have sung, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. <laughs> He's the true God. And we acknowledge that. And then the rains came. And then Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel, the most wicked woman in the Bible, 
they acknowledged that there was a God in heaven and Elijah was his prophet. And then they went into a, what we would call a, in, in chapter 19, I think it was, that we have the story of Elijah who won that remarkable victory, incredible victory. And then he fell into depression. He'd ran out of steam. And then he wanted to die. He wanted to run away because there was a, this Jezebel was after him and she was going to uh, deal with him and destroy his life. And then Elijah went up into this mountain and had a, another fresh encounter with God and God spoke to him up there in the mountain. There are plenty of others, Elijah, that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. But I want you to go and anoint Elisha because he is going to be the prophet who is going to replace you. And so in obedience to the direct word of the Lord, he went and found Elisha, anointed him to be the prophet. So let's read the story today. It's only a few verses. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was ploughing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burnt the ploughing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and he became his attendant. My prayer today for you people, everyone in this congregation, in this 8.15 service and in the 10.30 service, I pray that God would do it again, that he would touch people's lives with the call of God and that he would raise up pastors, evangelists, missionaries in this church and that he would raise up people who would even be willing to volunteer to help us in the times, for such a time as this in the life of our church. The call of God, I would pray would be upon that God would speak to your heart and even to my heart afresh today. What is it, God, that you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? How can I serve after you've done so much for me? So that is my prayer, that God would raise up preachers of the gospel, evangelists, pastors, to be set apart in ministry roles within the congregation, teachers, leaders, helpers, administrators in a voluntary capacity. We want this church to continue to be a sending church. Amen? We want people to hear the call of God and to offer themselves in full-time service. 
we want to produce this church to be a producing church to help replenish the ranks of people who are retiring, like myself. I've been told to unretire, but I. <laughs> we need we need reinforcements. We need people who are willing to commit themselves to full-time service or volunteer. We need help in regard to the work of the church here. So the intent of this church is to be the means by which God the Holy Spirit uh, will touch men and women, prepare them to be prophets of God, messengers of the gospel, instruments into the hands of God for uh, his purpose. And we don't want this church just to be a church where we come to worship, as good as that may be, and then go home. We don't want this church just to be a church where you come and hear good teaching and preaching and good pastoral care, as good as that is. We want people to sense and feel and hear the call of God upon their life, that they may be set apart for God, the new pastor of this church, his job description is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's his job. You pay him to get you to do the work. <laughs> huh? Isn't that good? That's why I went into the ministry. <laughs> and that's why I'm so poor today. I've used all my parents' inheritance. And they're passed on, and now I need new parents, preferably with no children. <laughs> we give ourselves to be used in the hand of God and to touch others and to lead others who in turn would become teachers and leaders of others. So the call of Elisha has something to say to all of us here today. This is not something new in the life of Elisha. He settled something that day, which was quite a dramatic day for him. A day that will never be forgotten in his life. A day that something happened that was never undone. It was a day of change of direction in his life. It was a day of decision in his life. And so today, brothers and sisters, as we look into the call of Elisha, I'm asking whether it's something that God will do again and speak to our hearts and challenge our hearts that we would be willing to move when he says move. Amen? Amen. So let me give you some thoughts and uh, observations from uh, this call of Elisha. Now some of the material I'm using today is from a message I heard 25 years ago. <laughs> by one of our missionary bosses. I think his name was Barry Ross, but it doesn't matter. He's probably not with us anymore. And the story is rather a simple one, and uh, there are parts of the story that are really hard to understand. For example, Elijah said, you know, what have I to do with you? You go back, which was a hard thing to say to Elisha. And uh, I'm wondering whether uh, he meant... Listen, Elisha, this call is not from me, it's from God. You talk to him about the call. He just told me to come in obedience and anoint you as the next prophet. You see God, seek God about that. And then 
when God says, go and find Elisha, listen to these words. I, he said to Elijah, I have chosen him. I have chosen Elisha. I want that person. I, and God is saying to you and me today, I want you. I want you and I want you because I have chosen you and I need you to give yourself to, to me that you might help be a minister of the gospel, an ambassador for Christ. Oh, there's something about the choice of God when God chooses us, not only for salvation, but for service and to serve him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. So let me give you a couple of observations um, that I find here. First of all, Elisha was a man of God's choice. He didn't volunteer to be a man of God. He didn't volunteer to be full-time in Christian work. To put himself in the place of relationship with Elijah. But it was God's choice. And it was made through the prophet Elijah. I have chosen him. Do you have a sense of divine call upon your life? Do you believe that God has chosen you for some particular work in your life? That you can serve God in some area of ministry? Or you can be a volunteer within this church in some area of ministry that you've never been involved before, but today you may hear the call of God upon your heart. I've heard God's call and I'm offering myself to him. You may have been coming to this church, you think, uh, well, no one comes to this church by accident, I don't believe. I believe people come to this church by choice. God has chosen you to come to this place. He has a particular work for you to do. Don't run away from it. You're brought here by the guiding hand of God. You are here, not by chance, but by God's choice. Second thing I noticed, that he didn't need the call of God in order to have something to do. <laughs> he was already busy. He was already a prosperous man. Because he had 12 yoke of oxen and he was ploughing with the 12th yoke and had 11 other helpers, farmers, helping him plough that field. So he wasn't standing around just doing nothing, waiting for the wind to change or waiting for a door to open. He had nothing to offer to God, but God had his hand on him. And God has his hand on you and on me. And he's asking, <laughs> I want you, not the person sitting next to you, but you. I have chosen you. Who, me, God? I've not had any training. I have chosen you to be obedient to me and to follow me and I will equip you with everything good to do your will. Now, we find uh, when Elijah came and threw his cloak or his coat around Elisha as a sign of 
God's anointing. And he said, uh, well, what do you mean by this? I've already explained that. God has chosen you. This call was not from me, but from God. And then he said, let me go and kiss my mum and dad goodbye, if that's the case. So he tells his parents, and nothing, uh, no attempt is made by his parents to hinder him from obeying God's call. They had too much respect for the authority of God to prevent their son from obeying the call of God. Wouldn't you like parents like that? That would encourage you and not hold you back? I know the temptation will be there as parents. Oh, I don't want you to go there because there's not much money involved and, 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 and people are going to use you and abuse you. And, and, and so us parents sometimes get very protective of our children. But we find with Elisha's parents, they had too much respect for the call of God. They had, he had no other chance, opportunity or reason to go but to obey the voice of God. And in this act, he sacrificed his two oxen and he was ploughing with us and, and slaughtered them and took the plough and broke it into pieces and lit a fire and offered the animals on the bird offering. Now, I think he would have boiled that meat. I think those guys would have been too tough to eat if they had just roasted the meat. That's just my opinion. But in that act of sacrifice, I see four things that happened. You ready? First of all, I believe there was a sacrifice of consecration. A sacrifice of consecration. The Old Testament is full of such experiences of people offering uh, sacrifices to God, sweet-smelling savour offerings as uh, showing their complete surrender to God. And so from that day when Elisha made that choice to take those two oxen and uh, that plough and turn it into a consecrated sacrifice to God, he was in a, nat it was a natural sense from his point of view of worship and of thankfulness to God. It was his act of worship to consecrate that offering and to break up his plough. He would not be able to use that ever again. Francis Ridley Havergill said it well, take my life and let it be consecrated all to thee. She goes on and talks in the other verses about my lips and my feet and my mouth and my voice. And then comes to the last verse, take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure to store. Take myself, in case I've missed anything, take myself and I will be ever only all for you. Consecration. Surrendering, we've sung about it today. Surrendering my life totally to the Lord. as It's an act of worship. And it's like that uh, Elisha, what he did that day was like his Isaiah 6 experience. Here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, God, send me. It was his full surrender experience, whatever you want to call that experience. And however you want to identify that time and place in your life where we say, Lord, here am I. It was a sacrifice of consecration. Secondly, it was a sacrifice of separation. Because if you're going to break up your plough and kill your oxen or sell your business or leave your previous occupation or whatever, Elisha at that point was not only consecrating to someone for something, 
but it was an act of separation from something to someone. An act, a, a sacrifice of separation. It's not only that you must consecrate to God and say, yes, here am I, Lord, take my life or whatever it is. You're calling me to, whether it's to pastor ministry, whether it's to a mission field, to prepare for that or whatever calling or even volunteering for that matter. But it is also a separation from something. And I think this is the critical thing in our lives today, in our modern generation. In other words, there may be some small gods, professions, things, people, places that are so precious in people's lives that they're holding back from cutting all the ties and burning the bridges. But we need to come to that place and say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing, I am willing to say goodbye if I would be used of you. And so I believe that there are people in many churches, in communities, in our state, in our country, that should be preparing themselves for the ministry that God has called them to, whether it's Bible college, extension school. We, unfortunately, we don't have a Bible college, a, lecture, a literal building where people can go and live in. I think we've done something wrong by selling our Bible college. <laughs> All you do is ha do it online. We need the interaction with one another that we can bounce thoughts off of each other. Amen? And you can go to your extension schools. You can do all the correspondent stuff. But they, people are not because they have not been willing to come to that place of separation from the things that would keep them from being occupied in God's work and being fully committed to him in that sense. Now, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with ploughing. There's nothing wrong with being a doctor. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher or a labourer or in the secular field if that's what God wants you to do. You can still be in God's will while you do that in the secular work. You are not a second-class person because you are not full-time in God's work. You are not unspiritual because you're still doing secular work. Don't let people cram that into you. If that's what God's will for your life is, go for it. I'm talking today for those who feel the call upon their heart and life to begin to move out and seek God and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Is there a change of direction in my life that you want me to go? And if you know that God is calling you and you obey, you know that God's blessing is on you. But if you want to stay that's fine too if you know that's God's will for, the, for your life. But God, but when God comes into your heart and your life and, throw, and through some means or another throws that cloak around your shoulders and says, brother and sister, I want you, I'm calling you today. I want you. And that there must be that follow-up in our life where I'm willing to sacrifice, to give up. I'm willing to separate under the God who calls me and away from anything that would hold me back. 
you talk about holding back. Let me give you my story. I was working in the Meyer Emporium in Melbourne when God called me to go into Bible college. I didn't have any idea of, of preaching. I couldn't. I wasn't good at it. I could song lead. I was the song leader in the Meyer Christian Fellowship doing all that stuff. But God called me to go and prepare to help relieve the burden of those who had too much to do in the ministry. Most of our pastors were working part-time and we, we were supporting four or five missionaries on the field full-time. Doesn't sound right, but that's what we did. So when God called me to leave my employment at Myers to start Bible College, I remember it well. I worked in the Manchester department in Myers. I bought the best single bed sheets you could find <laughs> in our department. And I bought the best single bed blankets you could find in our department. This is an Invicta gold label, pure bull's wool, <laughs> lamb's wool. This is the blanket 55 years ago I bought this blanket. Yeah, it's mine all right. <laughs> this means something to me. That day, that blessed day when God called me. I thought it was the right thing to do to live in Bible college, to live in. I didn't realise how my mum and dad's heart was broken when I did that because we only lived about 250 metres from the college. in Glenroy. They thought that I would just walk to classes and come home. Would have been a lot cheaper to do that. But I just felt at that time it was the right thing to do, to live in. But that was the choice I made and then I'd come home on the weekend and have some decent food. But I said my goodbyes to my parents and in that sense, it was a separation. My parents didn't say a word against my decision at that time. I didn't know until many years later how deeply it hurt them that it was a day of separation for me. Thirdly, it was a sacrifice of declaration. Elisha cooks the meat and he calls the people who were doing all the ploughing, all the farmers that were there. I don't know how many were there, probably all their families, but it would have had to be enough to feed two oxen, or well, two oxen to feed all those people. It's a lot of people. Elisha was chopping up the meat and he was putting on the plate and he was going around and handing pieces of the meat 
to the people and say, hey, brother, be a part of my decision today. If you're really going out to serve God and all that he has in mind for you, you can't do it by yourself. You've got to declare it before other people. Three worlds must know. Declare it. Your Christian parents, your church family, your non-Christian friends from your previous employment. Let them know what God's doing in your life and don't be afraid of the call of God. Don't pull back from it. Don't worry over telling parents about it, loved ones and friends. Give out the portions and declare where you are in your walk with God. Everyone could remember the day when Elisha made that decision. And I can remember, I wouldn't be here today if it hadn't have been for that day in my life, that day of decision. And often I've had to go back to that day when I made that decision to follow the Lord, to give my life in service for him, to leave my employment, to go into Bible college, to begin training for whatever God had in mind for me. And whenever the doubts would come and whenever the temptations would come to throw in the towel and whenever, whenever I was being pulled away and whenever the, ever the call of God was fading in my life, I would go back to that day, that blessed day, that holy day and that place when God clearly spoke to my heart to be used of him, to be used of God. I'd go back to that day. You could use that as the day of decision that I made before the Lord and for me to go back on that decision would have been disastrous from my point of view. Soon after I made a declaration, I told my parents what God was doing in my life and that he was calling me into the ministry. But I didn't make that decision that day for them to make them happy. I'm a third generation preacher now, but I didn't make that decision to make them happy. They were overjoyed in the sense that I was giving my life fully to the Lord to be used of him. But I made it for the Lord Jesus who gave himself for me. I declared to the Maya management my reason for leaving. Living, uh, leaving that store, giving up uh, probably would have been a pretty good superannuation now. <laughs> and I topped the whole Myra Emporium in selling. But decision wasn't hard in a sense because of what Christ had done for me and the health and the strength he gave me. And even after 12 operations, I still feel, <laughs> feel pretty good. I gladly said yes 
There's a song, folks, that's been going around in my mind. If you want to go home and Google it, or go look on YouTube. The song's called To Be Used of God. By Look up uh, the YouTube and have this old lady, Doris Akers, I think her name is, sing, sing that song. Let that minister to your heart. I tell you what, that'll bring you to your knees. And the song, the chorus goes, To Be Used of God to sing, to speak, and to pray, to be used of God to show someone the way. Oh, I loved so much to feel the touch of his consuming fire. To be used of God is my desire. Hallelujah. For that moment in Elisha's life, that day, it was a day of consecration, a day of separation, a day of declaration. And the last thought today was it was a day of concentration a day of concentration when he set out to follow Elijah and I don't know how long he'd been following Elijah for whether it was a a matter of months or years but it took a while and in 2nd Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 6 they'll throw it on the screen in a minute This was at the point of crisis in uh, Elijah's life <clears throat> where Elisha made that great decision to follow God when that cloak fell on Elisha. When Elijah put that cloak over him and said, God has called you, has chosen you. And just about at that time in Second Kings chapter 2, Elisha's about to be taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, in the chariot of fire. And so Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has called me to go to Bethel. And you read what he says in verse 2 there, I think it is. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you. And they went down to Bethel. And there's a company of the prophets. There were about 100 prophets left. Jezebel had killed all the other prophets of God, but Obadiah kept 100 in caves, protected them, brought them out. And then those prophets said to Elisha, Elisha, God's going to take your friend away from you today. But then in verse 4, a little later on, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. God has called me to go to Jericho. And as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm going to go with you. And it went on from Bethel to Jericho and then to Jordan. And, And Elijah said to Elisha, God has called me to go to Jordan. I am going <laughs> with you. I am going to, with, going to go with you. And he goes down the Jordan and all these prophets were following along and saw what was happening. And Elijah got out his cloak and touched those waters and they parted and the two of them went across on dry ground. Hallelujah. Two of them went across on dry ground. And when they got across the water... Elijah said to Elisha, mate, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Elisha cried out that great statement, I want a double portion of your spirit. Have you ever asked God the Holy Spirit for a double portion of his spirit? Elisha did that day and Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind. And that his coat fell 
when he was going up and it landed on Elisha. And Elisha said, I have a double portion of God's spirit. And as I, he went up and all the prophets on the other side saw it happening, Elisha got out the cloak and touched the water and the water parted. And the prophet said, surely there's a new prophet in town. God's anointing is on him. And just by way of interest, Elisha had double, twice as many miracles that Elijah did. Talk about a double portion. Incredible. So there was a day when Elijah made that decision. Elisha made that decision and made that sacrifice, that covenant of blood, at full consecration to the God that he loved. It was a day of separation from the life that he'd been living and the employment that he had. And it was a statement to all who had known him. He had made a decision. It was a declaration to all that uh, a new direction was about to happen in his life. And uh, I just want you to know, folks, as we begin to close this service today, in this story, there are principles that I believe that we can apply to our own lives from this life of Elijah and Elisha today. Believers are called... All of us are called by God to some particular work to do. Some to full-time, some to secular work, some to buy vocational work, some to just to be a volunteer in this church. But God's word to our heart today is, let there be some Elishas in this service who will find there is that, that day of complete surrender to him, that complete consecration to him, that day of separation, of declaration, and of consecration until your life and my life becomes consumed with the desire to be the man of God and woman of God's choosing and to fulfill that call of God. There are some legitimate places of work that you could be doing. There are many professions that you could be involved in and still be in the will of God. There are other means of livelihood that you could seek but are there any here today who hear, who is going to hear the call of God upon your life to prepare and to move when God wants you to move? That he will nudge you and he'll prompt you. That if you sir, would uh, be willing to answer that call, if God should direct you in that regard, that you would be willing to move when he moves. Three worlds will know. There may be people here today that have never made a complete surrender of your life to God before, publicly. You've not done that publicly. There may be here people today who sense that God is calling you and nudging you and prompting you and you'd be willing to move and you'd be willing to prepare and you'd be willing to do whatever if God should so lead you in that direction. I'm asking today, right across this auditorium, are there people who hear the call of God, who would be willing to move if he should call you and that you know that there's a, there's a, a big decision to make, that there's things that I would have to leave 
maybe I'll never be able to do again. But it doesn't matter if God has chosen you and his hands is upon you and you've been obedient to his call. It's the greatest thing that you can ever do in your life and God will provide for your every need. That I believe. We have never been without, my wife and I, as we made that decision and that commitment to follow him. Is there any here today that would be willing to stand and come and stand out the front here and say, I'm willing to surrender my life totally to the Lord and to prepare if he should so direct? Are there any here who are willing to be a volunteer for the Lord in this church? I invite you to come. Why don't we stand? I invite you to come. We've got no music. I don't want any music at the moment. But I give the invitation, the call of God upon your life. If you want to come and make a public declaration to the congregation and then to your parents or to your previous employment or whatever, God may still want you to go and stay in your employment, maybe for two or three years or whatever. But the thing is, if God should call, are you willing to move? Are you willing to move? Are you willing to give it? Amen? Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You guys come up. Let me pray. Now, Lord, uh, you know those that have come forward this morning, you know their hearts. We don't know, Lord, exactly what it is that you're asking them to do, but they've come in obedience to you. If you should so call, they're willing to go. Nothing holding them back. Nothing holding them back. But Lord, let this be a day of beginning, a day of new direction, a day of decision, a day of consecration, a day of separation, a day of declaration, a day of concentration, following your call and your will for their life. May this day, Lord, the 4th of August 2019 be the day that they can go home and remember and write it down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.